Mm. Okay, so we've got a list of text messages coming through here. People wanting to have their, have their say on uh, the different issues that we've been talking mm. about. Uh, right at the beginning, you were talking about uh, uh, cameras being used to and, and artificial intelligence used to um, discover people's mental health. Mm. And particularly being set up in high-risk places for mm. suicide mm. and being able to alert people, alert, you know, people who can help out first responders yeah. to the fact that there might be somebody in danger, mm. which is a really good thing. Suicides. Technology can be used for good or evil. Only man decides how it will be used. Isn't that the truth? Isn't it so much the truth? Mm. You know, because, I mean, there's not a whole lot of distance between China and uh, Korea, Mm. Uh, but you've got pretty much the same technology being used in opposite ways. And, and and you've got, you know, China, who, as Etienne was, you know, mentioning, using all their technology, you know, I think of their, their media machine in China making propaganda, and then you've got Korea using their media machine to make really good movies and TV show and music. So <laughs> I just wanted to say that because I thought it was funny. But, uh, yeah, interesting stuff. Okay, population matters. These people talk as if God was not in charge, as if he doesn't know what he's doing. Well, they, that's actually what they do believe. Yep, they, they do believe that God <laughs> they is not in charge. That. <laughs> and that he doesn't know what he's doing because uh, they're pretty much atheists. Uh, I like to know who finances this organisation. Would it be Bill Gates, surely? Um, a bit of, bit of <laughs> speculation coming through there. Uh, starvation is mostly caused by the greed of man. That's a fact. Mm. And it's part of the depopulation agenda through wars, abortions, weather control, viruses. The list goes on and on it goes. It's okay. Jesus is coming back. I like mm. that last line right there. Um and all right, here we are. While most of us would have joined the Nazis, unfortunately, most will also join the end time regime of church and state all together. And of course, if you look at Revelation chapter 13, there's a whole Bible study we could do there in Revelation chapter 13. And what's also interesting, I'm just going to launch out on this one because you go to Revelation chapter um, chapter. 16, you're going to find that it's going to be religion and state that comes together because mm. you've got uh, you've got Protestantism, you've got Catholicism, and then you've got the non-Christian religions all uniting together at the end of time. Of course, uh, it's mentioned here specifically uh, Catholicism, but it includes the others as well. Um, and, and really when you look at our world right now, particularly what's happening in the United States, mm. you see all of these coming together. It's hard to believe that as that all that was said will soon happen worldwide. Most people are asleep and won't notice or more accurate, accurately refuse to notice as it's too much for people to accept. It's easier to stick your head in the sand and not think about it. God help us all. Mm. Heavy. Um, oh, we've got lots of text messages here. <laughs> oh, okay. This one, about the end. Last Friday's presentation at the end was fantastic. Can't wait till Wednesday for the next one. Well, neither can I. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited about the subject for uh, Wednesday that I'm just, yeah. We've made a bit of a, so we're, we're doing a watch party. Yes. So we've got one weekly Wednesday watch party, which is just more of a dinner in the end, yes. and then our Friday like one is like, yeah, hundred. <laughs> it's got got a ring to it, got it a shine to it. it. Does we take the Thursday night off and uh, you know watch the end? But then you know we have different things like prayer meeting and whatnot for church. But then on Fridays we have our small group Bible studies, and we finish our Bible study by eight o'clock so that we can watch the end. Nice, nicely done. Ah, so good. 
Yes. We had we actually had a record number on Friday night. Yeah, there was for, tons for live for, of live, for the live program. Of course, if you don't watch it live, you can go and rewatch it on YouTube. Mm. Go to the n.digital on YouTube and you can do all of your catch up there, but mm. we just enjoy it so much more when it's live. And then I get to ask questions. Yeah, Lawson sends his questions through. We call him out on on I, I'm still live on the pursuit of getting the top fan badge. <laughs> I want it so bad. <laughs> How many of those questions came from your small group last <laughs> I want to know. A few of them. Probably all the hard ones. <laughs> anyway. Um, oh. Okay, all these closures of business is just a preamble for the great economic reset. We are in great changes. The funny thing is that man will actually be happy about it as it will resolve the financial problems of the world. Yes and no. Mm. Financial problems of the world aren't going to be resolved. But <laughs> no. they might. they will appear to be. Mm. Anyway, so those are our text messages um, where, yeah, hopefully we will get a whole bunch more as we launch into this Bible study because yes. it's going to be most interesting. Oh, All right. What are we going to talk about? Before we do, uh, oh. before we do, uh, we have to remind everybody about the movie offer. Oh, yeah. We have a free movie giveaway today. Um, it is all day today. Mm. Oh, sorry, not all day. All breakfast show long. Mm-hmm. But you need to hurry. Mm. There are a limited number of movies that we are giving away and you can receive a DVD by giving us a call here, 0491-064-669. And this is one of the best movies I've ever seen, particularly a movie of faith, faith-based yeah. movie. Yep. Um, it's called Tortured for Christ. It's the story of Richard Wormbrandt. And when you look at the times in which we live right now, these are the stories that we need to be strengthening ourselves mm. with because we live in this fairyland where we think these kind of things could never happen in this country. Yeah, wow. Well. well, believe me, they never thought those kind of things would happen in Romania. Mm. And look what happened. I love this movie. It's just so steeped in in history and it's like you you're really there. You exactly. And exactly. It's fantastic. I watched it on the big screen which was just it was sensational. And so if you would like to if you if you want the DVD call us right now. We've had a number of phone calls come through already. Mm. If you would like the stream version uh then uh, send uh, a request to info mm. at this is really easy vom .com.au. Info at vom.com.au. You can yes. also, yeah, text or call us 0491-064-669. Uh, you can get all that information. Fantastic stuff. All right, let's head into our Bible study. And our Bible study, we've been dealing with the subject of rest. Uh-huh. And while we're dealing with the subject of rest, last week we talked about restlessness. Yes. So we kind of started with talking about rest and how good it is and that's great. And then last week we talked about, well, what happens when you don't have rest mm. in your soul. We're starting with a story this week that talks maybe about a little bit too much rest. Oof. Yeah, let's see what happens when that happens. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. All right, so let's go to Second Samuel chapter eleven. We're going to read the first five verses. Second Samuel chapter eleven. Second Samuel chapter eleven. As I get it up in my Bible, uh, 
in what which verse are we going to read? First five verses. First five verses. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, oh, I know where this is going. Oh, you know where this is going. David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight against the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. Uh, however, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the rooftop of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, um, and he told he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites, having her menstrual period. Uh, Then she returned home. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. Okay, this is an epic stuff up of epic proportions. Yeah. uh, On David's part, and it results in disaster for his kingdom. Mm. But there's some things that we need to think about in this story right here because there's an old saying. Mm. I don't think you find it in the Bible. If, if you know anywhere in the Bible that has the same kind of you know, saying to it, then let me know. Mm. I think you'll probably find something similar somewhere. But anyway, there's an old saying that goes like this, idle hands are the devil's playground. Mm. Solomon probably said something similar to that. Yeah. So here's your first challenge, guys. Rather than calling up and giving me a hard time, find where find a find a good Bible verse on that. Idle hands mm. are the devil's playground. Mm. And so rest is good and rest is important. And God gives us rest every week. But when God gives us rest every week, does that mean that God is giving us a whole day to do nothing? Mm. Not at all. And it, God he, gives us a whole day to be active in doing something different from what we do during the week and to be active in worship. It even goes further than that. Is Does God give us a whole day to do nothing? It's does God give us a whole day to essentially not follow him? Y- yes. No, he doesn't do that. Yeah, like I, I think... Good you know, point. Cause, yes, cause good point. No, he doesn't do we that. We talk about the Sabbath. And, yes. and but it's interesting. Like for most people who keep the Sabbath, the Sabbath is the day where you go to church, you sing praises, do Bible study, yeah. preach. You know, you, you're, you're kind of immersing yourself in spiritual things. That's right. But then think about rest outside of that as well. Mm-hmm. Just rest in general. The mm-hmm. concept of rest. And because, like, for I think for many people, myself, you know, the way that my work week is is set up. Like, I go to Sabbath, and then well, I have a shift at work on Sunday morning. Uh, but then, you know, Sunday afternoon. Uh, is, and particularly Sunday night is usually the time I'm like relaxing, you know, just like fully just at home, just like relax, recharge, that kind of thing. And it's like, you know, I r- really have to think about that and be like, oh, is this time for me to, you know, rest in God, you know, prepare for the week or, or you know, or am I using this time to actually rest in in, in nothing, essentially. To or rest do, in the world. Rest in the world. That's a great quote. Rest in the world. Am I resting? Am I resting in the pleasures and the joys that the world wants to offer me, or am I actually resting in Christ? Yeah. Mm. Now it's pretty heavy stuff when you stop and think about it. And we've got a great example with David right here because you know David was a warrior. He was the king. He was the he was the general. He was the expert, mm. and he was the one who should have been out there leading his his armies mm. in battle. And I've been to where this battle took place between the 
um, the Israelites and uh, the um, Ammonites. And yeah, it's a it's a fortress. It's it's a massive fortress on top of a hill, and mm. it would be very very, you know, daunting place to take. And yet he was able to send Joab, and they were able to take this particular fortress. But David's like, you know, I've been fighting my whole life. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit this one out. Mm. And it went really badly for him because he's just sitting back in the palace, twiddling his thumbs, and getting bored. And when he's doing that, he starts to eye off this lady who's having a bath and. Well, the rest is history. Mm. Okay, so, all right. Let's make it controversial. Yeah. Yeah. Was this rape? Oh, that's such a heavy question. It is. Mm. I would say, look, I would say this, like, before you can even get to that. This is kind of diplomatic. No, 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 no. Check it out, check it out, check it out. Lyle, Lyle, please. Um, Because people often make the point that it wasn't rape based on the fact that, like, oh, Bathsheba tempted david that's ridiculous but this this is my point it's like bathsheba's on a rooftop having a bath you know why because people don't go on rooftops just think about that she's on a rooftop having a bath why because people aren't usually on rooftops except for the only person in in this case who randomly while she's mid-bath decides to go for a walk on the rooftop and you know okay so i'm gonna i'm just gonna jump in there with a, with a few things first of all in the middle east uh what you find is that rooftops are flat mm. also during summer you find that that's where people sleep mm. and the reason that they slept on the rooftop was because uh that was where it was cooler and it was kind of their version of air conditioning mm. it was a place where the rooftop was a place where in the cool of the evening people would eat their evening meal they would cook on the rooftop they would bath on the rooftop there was a lot of things things this was not terribly unusual okay but even still let's say that she's the only woman who's ever taken a bath on top of the roof and let's say she was doing it uh, right there in front of David, does that make that? Does that does that put David in the? You know, does that in any way exonerate David? No, because the reality is is that David, like all of us, has this thing called uh, choice. That's right. And the reality is here is that it was it was David's choice to take Bathsheba. Yeah, and 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 the text doesn't indicate at all that she was doing it for any reason. It does my it does my head in how often people blame somebody else for the choices they make. Have you ever I mean mm. you ever heard this? Oh you make me so angry. Yeah. That is no. like A1 abuse of language right there. That like, is yeah, that's right. Absolutely. There's no what it's it's there's no way that somebody else can make you angry. Mm. That's like, an impossibility. Well, or, Anger is your choice. Yes, yes. Or you tempted me so much so therefore I did such and such. Mm. No, you are responsible for your decisions, mm-hmm. for how you respond and how you react, and David was 100% responsible for what he did, regardless of whether Bathsheba was trying to tempt him or not. And, and this is the thing. It's like from the text, like it indicates to me that she wasn't trying to tempt him. She was just on the roof having a bath. But let's throw it in the circumstance where she is like the A1 tempter of yeah, temp- okay, maybe temptress. She maybe she she, she's like just gunning for David. Well, let's see who let's, let's look at another Bible character. There was this guy, his name was Joseph. Yes. He was tempted heavily yes. by the beautiful wife of his yes. master who who was literally like in the room, in the bed like 
taking her clothes off, like trying to pull him into bed with her. Like, yep, this is going to happen. And he, what did he do? He ran away. So fast that he left his coat behind, coat behind. And was even blamed for it. Uh-huh. And went to jail for it and maintained his innocence. Like, That's we're right. talking about a guy who stood, like, who, who lost everything, lost everything for, for standing up for that temptation. Yet he did because he knew it was the right thing. The long and the short of it is there is no excuse for bad behavior. No one can force you to do something else. End of story. It yeah. is your responsibility, 100%. Yeah. You can't I, come along and say, ah, she tempted me or he tempted me. No, mm. that's not an excuse. But then I guess the, it circles back to your original question, which was, was this rape? Mm. It's a good question, isn't it? Um, which I would say... I, I've, I've been okay, so here's the point. Here's the point. Ooh, okay, like if the point. Bathsheba was doing this for the purpose of tempting David... If that was why she was actually doing it, then her actions, by her actions, she's giving consent. Mm. Okay, that's fair enough, right? If mm. that was why she went there at that time to have that, you know, bath, etc. If that wasn't the case, then it's rape. Mm. And I'm going to explain why it's rape. And the and the and the reason comes down to because it's not the you know. In the past, we always thought of rape as being, you know, the kind of person who, you know, pulls a gun or a knife, holds somebody down, and sexually abuses them. Mm. But rape is rarely that kind of rape. Yeah, most rape is what is called power rape, and when it comes to power rape, power rape is simply a situation where there is a power differentiation yes. between the perpetrator and the abused person. Mm. And the abused person may not have given consent, but they may not have, uh, but they may have said nothing. Mm. And this is why we have a thing called statutory rape: is yeah. when you have sex with somebody who is underage, because it is recognised that there is such a power differentiation between an adult and a child that it is impossible for a child to give consent. Mm. And we look at a, a circumstance like this where you've got. The power king. differentiation. Uh, we're going to talk about this in detail. We're going to hold. We're going to have a song break. A song break right now. We're going to come back and talk about it in more detail. I want to hear your thoughts. Mm. 0491-064-669. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different is the email. Okay, so we've got some thoughts coming through left, right, and centre. This one says, "I don't believe it was rape." Looks like. Looks to me it was mutual consent. Nothing in the Bible gives an indication that David was that kind of man. He already had many wives by then. It's an interesting thought. I would say the fact that he already had many wives indicates that he was that kind of man. Ooh. Like. That's just that's just my first comment. My second comment is that very soon after this, we find that he's the kind of man who commits murder, mm. which is obviously a bigger sin. And so if you are prepared to commit a bigger one, then you are the kind of person who's prepared to commit a lesser one. Mm. Uh, it's hard to say whether, you know. Okay, so that's just, that's just my thoughts. That's my thoughts yeah. so far. We're going we're gonna to have a um, – producer Shell is uh, vehemently shaking her head out there. Um, so she's going to send me a text message, I'm sure, in just a moment. Mm. Uh, somebody else has texted through. Okay, this one says, oh, here we go. Wow, how wrong was I? Proverbs 16, 27 to 29, verse 27. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. 
Idle yep. lips are his mouthpiece. An evil man sows strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Wickedness loves company and leads others into sin. Mm. There you go. Very, very good uh, Good to have our brain. Biblical trust. investigation. Yes, testing us out right there. Mm. Okay, so I'm going to build a bit of a case here. And uh, the reason that I'm going to build this case is because the Bible says that Bathsheba was innocent. Mm. Wow. How can she be innocent if it's mutual consent? Mm. That's my question. So power rape works like this because most men, when they commit power rape, do not realize that they have committed rape. Mm. That's the important point because they think that the other person is consenting, but the other person is not consenting because the other person doesn't have enough power to say no. We yeah. don't feel that way. And this is something that has really only come to be understood in more modern times. Yeah, 100%. We've actually, we've actually discovered this and realized how this interaction works out. Mm. And it's an important point. But, okay, so power rape is where there is a power imbalance mm. between the two. And uh, the person who is raped may not have said no. They may have just kept their mouth shut. doesn't mean that they were consenting and saying yes. Mm. And we say, oh, well, they should have, they should have said yes and it deserves them right because they didn't speak up. No, that's not how it works when there is a power imbalance. Mm. Okay, so first of all, uh, Bathsheba was a woman. This was a society in which women had significantly less power than men do today. Mm. Um, even with our culture... Uh, women can find it hard to say no to powerful men uh, because of the power imbalance. All right, let's think about the consequences. She's married to a Gentile, mm. a Hittite. Um, she could be expelled from her family, her nation, and her religion from being for being married to this guy. Mm. And so she's married to this guy and allowed to be a part of the nation based on uh, the generosity of like, yeah, we're going, we're going to make an exception here. So she can lose everything right now and everything she has is in the power of David to say yes or no. Okay, David's the king. That's a massive empower imbalance to begin with. Uh, what kings said is what they got. All right, then she's summoned to the palace by multiple servants. So she's in a home and multiple servants turn up at her door from the palace, the Bible says, and say, you need to come and talk to the king. That's mm. a hugely intimidating uh, person and would have massively increased her sense of vulnerability as opposed to if you know David wandered over there himself, knocked on her door and said, hey, why don't you stop by sometime? Mm. Um. David was not just the king, but he was a very powerful king. He was a very popular king, and he was recognized as being chosen of God, the man after God's own heart. Mm. Uh, David had authority to do what he did. He was king in that time, you know, not by God's law, but by man's law. Of course he could do this. And so on those points, I would argue that consent wasn't even an option. Yeah, wow. Consent was not available. Um, now, 
continuing on from there, there's a couple of other thoughts that we could share on this one. First of all, she didn't keep coming back, right? Mm. Typically, infatuated women will pursue to the point of obsession. Mm. She didn't. She she wasn't that person. Uh, neither Ellen White or the you know, or, you know the, the Bible doesn't mention any sin in Bathsheba's part. You don't mm. find that anywhere in inspiration. You do find a statement of her innocence. Um, neither in First Samuel or in Psalms 51 does David ascribe any guilt to Bathsheba, but goes to great lengths to say that the guilt is his and his alone. Mm. This was not mutual. David recognizes that and God recognizes that. Mm. Uh, then you've got this whole situation, you know, later on where you know, David doesn't punish his, his son for openly raping his sister. That's in 2 Samuel, uh, chapter 13, especially verse 21. And in that, in that situation, no guilt is assigned to Tamar. And what you're going to find is that David's bad example then leads to his whole family coming unstuck, which is what our next song is all about. Mm. We've you know, just looking at the uh, the list of songs coming up here. We've got this one by Steve Bell, which is about Absalom and how badly Absalom went wrong because um, because of you know the example that was set by his David. Mm. All right, so. Uh, we've got some text messages coming through. Let's read these real quick. Uh, Bruce reckons you're barking up the wrong tree rather than whose fault it is. The study should be about sinners finding their way back to God. Good point. Mm. Absolutely. Um, then we've got another one here. It says, you've almost convinced me. I agree with your conclusions. So, <laughs> interesting stuff. Okay, so those are some interesting points. Now what we need to do is read Psalms chapter 50, 51 and the first uh, four verses because this is the psalm that David writes mm. after his sin. And this is where he finds forgiveness and this is where he finds salvation. And the important thing about this is this, the consequences don't disappear. And the consequences for David were truly horrific. Mm. But salvation is not gone. And we always need to remember this no matter how far we fall into sin and how horrific the consequences of that sin might be, salvation is always available. And so I'd encourage anybody who's struggling with sin to read the whole of Psalms 51. This is David's Psalm of Repentance. Mm. Okay, go for it. It says in Psalm 51 and verse 1, it says, Have mercy on me, O God, because because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion, and it haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone I have sinned, and have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. Mm. Mm. There you go. David is taking responsibility for his sin, and he is going to God for forgiveness, and that's where David did find forgiveness. Mm. And this is what is available to every single one of us, and this is where David went from being having no rest, from kind of having rest, to having no rest because of guilt, to finding rest in God's grace, even though the uh, consequences were really, really horrific. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM.
positively different. Right now we have our question of the day. All right, our question of the day kind of revolves around the question of the day that we asked last week. We were talking about God and his gender and his pronouns. And essentially, the question of the day is today, uh, kind of coming from conclusions that we made last week. Um, if God is, well, it says God is essentially agendered because he doesn't have reproductive organs, even though he has male pronouns. Was Adam the same before Eve was created? Yes. And I guess the question is, you know, the Bible says male and female created he, you know, he, he created them. Mm. Did that reality only become a reality after Eve was created? Mm. And so when Adam was originally created, was he just agenda like God? Uh, or, and, and then when God described, decides to create a female, is that when all of those changes took place? Uh, the answer is no. Adam was actually created as a male. Mm. And what you find is this. You find it in Genesis chapter 2, and you're going to begin reading and say, verse 19, the Bible says, Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the birds of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was no found, there was found no partner for him. So here's what God has done. God has created every living creature and they all have a partner. Mm. So this is significant because what Adam is noticing as God is bringing them along and saying, oh, check this one out, they all have a partner. And then he's noticing there's no partner for him. Mm. Now, if he were a gender at this particular point, that would not be an issue. It wouldn't matter that he's got no partner. The fact that there is no partner for him shows that obviously he is not a gender. He is a male. The Bible goes on to say, uh, The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. He slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made a woman and brought her unto the man. And God said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And so there's some great symbolism right here because, you know, God didn't take a, you know, a bone from Adam's foot mm. because, you know, it wasn't to symbolize that he was to be trampling on the woman or that the woman was trampled on him. He didn't take a bone from his head to say that, you know, she was above him or he was above her. He took a bone from Adam's side to symbolize that as partners they were to stand side by side. Mm. They were to be complementary to each other. And so, yeah, what, what we find here very simply is that um, when God creates, he creates, and, you know, the story is condensed right here because I mean, how does God, how does Adam get through all of those animals, naming all those animals, and find out that there's there's no one for him, um, you know, in a short space of time? We don't know that, but of course, you know, you're dealing with direct inter, you know, a direct communication, face to face interaction with God here, mm. and so uh, as this is taking place, and I think God did it in this way to kind of highlight to Adam and Eve, the specialness of the relationship that they were going to have because, you know, 
all day long, Adam is naming animals like, oh, this is pretty cool and oh, that's that's pretty amazing. And they're all in pairs. Mm. And they've all got male and female and he's like, but there's no pair, there's no partner that is compatible to me. And God says, aha, I'm glad you noticed. Now that you've noticed, I'll create one. And by creating one and creating it out of you, it's going to be very special. You're going to be one flesh. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.